I'm so excited for this. I'm excited for all of them, but this, oh. My favorite intro song. Yeah, here we go. Garage Band at the best. Yeah! That never gets old, never gets old. Thank you so much, Wyatt. Oh my gosh, what a difference a year makes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just gonna bring it right in. My guest, I just love this guy to death. He's one of my favorites in the whole world. He does everything. Commentator, superstar commentator for MotoGP. The guy has boy band good looks. He's basically the Cristiano Ronaldo of MotoGP commentators. And now he's an accomplished children's author. And honestly, that gets me in the feels because you're going to be immortalizing your kids' eyes, which I think is the greatest. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Steve Day. Steve, how you doing, buddy? E.T., how are you? It's so good to see you. Hey, mate, that is an intro and a half. I've never, I don't even think on my wedding day I had an intro like that. Um, and I wish I had the money of Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and <laughs> but you, but you get it. I am not yet an accomplished author, but let's let's see how that goes. But no, it's really good to see you. How are you, dude? I'm I'm great, and it's all about you. And you know, it's funny. I was looking back about it was a year ago this week where you moved into your brand new house. It was a year ago this week. Yeah. We were in the middle of the we were in the middle of the, in the epidemic, and it was uh, in the pandemic, and we were all kind of going through that little depression because there was no MotoGP. You know, you guys were getting ready to start back up, and it was like ah, oh, and we didn't know where things were going. You had just moved in, and you had that little apprehension in your voice. I could tell, and now look at us, man. And I mean, the difference a year makes. Brand new house. GP's going better than ever, and like I said, you the author of the book is called uh, That Leopard is So Rude. I mean, honestly, I give you credit for that. Tell the people, uh, how did that come about? Um, oh, my. It's a long, long story. It's your show, man. Uh, Go ahead. It's your show. I want to hear it. Actually, when I was a kid, I always loved uh, um, children's picture books. And I didn't, I kind of forgot that I liked them because obviously you become an adult. And then when I had my, my little boy, Charlie, and we started reading him books and he really loved rhyming books. I was like, Oh my God, I remember this. And I was just like, do you know what? I I, I really want to write one. I really want to write. Um, and I thought this is ridiculous because you can't just start something and it just, you know, become a reality. I think when I was a kid at school, I think I'd written in some school report somewhere that I, I really wanted to be a children's author or I wanted to be an author of a book or something like that. And so when I first started, it was just a few notes and it was pre, pre-lockdown, the first lockdown. So we're talking probably end of 2019 when I started jotting down a few notes just as an idea. So we didn't even have any idea that lockdown was going to happen. And then I was like, it's only going to be a children's picture book. How hard can it be? Um, which was thing to think. <laughs> um, because it, it turns out it's actually quite hard to do, even though. It's a and um, so I put it to one side for a little while and then lockdown hit us. And then I started looking into it a little bit deeper and did some research and spoke to some other children's authors and really worked hard to find out like you know what's the best way around doing it and um 
but I just kept on running out of ideas and it was just so strange. I, I don't know what happened. I, I, I bought this notebook, put it beside my bedside table. And I just decided that when I wake up and I've got an idea, I'm just going to go, wham, wham, here we go. This is going to go on. And, um, but unfortunately, none of the ideas kind of made up for anything. <laughs> and I really wanted to do something with animals because I always loved going to a zoo as a kid. I love animals. My, my little boy, Charlie, absolutely adores animals. Yeah. So I wanted to do something, but I wanted to do something with morals. Um, something that was different, something that might be able to help kids grow up and understand things that maybe we didn't understand when we were kids. Oh, like, like what? Uh, like, for, for instance, for instance, like what? So, for example, without giving too much away in the book, I, I noticed when I was a kid, my mum lost her mum and she was grieving and so was my dad. And I never really understood what was going on because I was so young that it was just kind of one of those things where I was just like, I've lost my nan, but I was so young that I didn't really feel the emotion of it. And I didn't really understand why people were acting differently because of grief. And I've seen, um, unfortunately from my wife's uh, dad who passed away, the way that people are outside with, with grief isn't necessarily who they are. And they can sometimes portray this different character. Um, and, I think that we can all relate to feeling down at some point and every now and again, you just need this lending ear, someone just to come and go, Hey, are you okay? And, and it's, I don't want to give too much away of the book, but it was, it was almost like, let's try and see if we can get kids to understand that sometimes the portrayal of what you are from the outside might not actually be who that person is because they've got something else going on in their life. Wow, that's deep, man. I mean, that's great, and that's because deep. we don't know what's going on. You never did. I know it's deep. I know it's deep, but I just, I just think that you know it, it can relate to so many different things. Um, where we all can be having bad days, and we put on this fake smile from time to time, or we can actually be, or you know, we could be, I don't know, feeling unbelievable grief inside and come across as angry, or we might be having a bad day. We might have annoyed someone on that day and and then you're like oh god if only they knew what was going on and so this is that was the kind of thing that I wanted to do that was the route that I wanted to kind of go down but make it into a children's book so it was relatable and understandable that was the the main that was the main aim god that's beautiful I mean honestly man that's beautiful I really love that and and it's so in tune with what's going on now because more awareness is on mental health which I think is great I mean, it, it, that's long overdue. You know what I mean? And you hit you hit the nail on the head. I mean, and it's like, and everybody grieves different, or when something's going on different. I mean, because my me personally, I like to I shut down in a different way. Like I act like it doesn't happen, and I'll go about my business, and I act like it doesn't happen. It, it, it's a weird thing, but so everybody does it different. But I think that's beautiful, and how you process it as a kid also is different. You know, and that, and that, but that also what happens in your childhood. It, it goes into your adult. If it's not checked when you're a child, it goes into your adulthood adulthood, and it affects your relationships also. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. I think it's really, really important because when I was a kid, I read lots of children's picture books that did have a meaning that maybe I didn't understand when I was a kid. But as I slowly grew up, I was seeing a different meaning to the, 
to the story. But back when I was a kid, so we're talking like, when I'm talking about reading picture books, we're talking 32, 33 years ago. Um, there were no books that were kind of teaching kids about maybe there are some uglier sides of life that we might need to recognize, but not kind of tackling it in such a dark way. You know, it's a, it's a good fun book um, and it's a heartwarming book. Mm -hmm. So I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea by any means. Um, but I just think that there are so many issues that need to be tackled for kids because we need to start from that generation upwards to understand so many different things, whether it's the way people are, whether it's mental health, whether it's equality, whether it's, we, we, we need to start from, from the kids because it's the only way that the world will change. Um, but if you can do it in a way that is imaginative and is good fun as well, so that the book is engaging, then you, you know, it, it has to be a positive thing. That man, honestly, that is so correct. I love that from ground zero. And thing about the only thing about that that got me perplexed is that you said you uh, probably last, last read a picture book 33 years ago. I thought you were like 21, 22. I mean, you, you don't age. <laughs> I mean, look at you. I, uh, I mean, I'm looking at you like, like you look, look like you just broke up with you. Look like you know what you look like, honestly. You look like you're going through your solo album and you're like, I'm interviewing you about your new solo album because you broke up with your boy band. That's what you look like. Like, you know, like, yeah, I like the guys, but I've got to do my own thing. You know, that's what you look like. You're like that, that lost member from Oasis, you know, that, 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 that he's like doing his own thing. And you're like, well, I like Liam and Gallagher, but I just got to do my own thing, Mike. That's what it looks like. Well, what we can see is that I've got a reflection coming in at the moment because we've actually got some rare sun in England. So I'm sunburned. Uh, maybe that's make maybe the sun is making me look a, a little younger. I don't know, but no, no, you just have it. I know what you're. You just have it. I know it. what you're doing. Perfectly well, how old I am. You know, I'm not 21. I am. Um, I'm 37, and I don't use any moisturizer. No, no, no moisturizer <laughs> at all. You, you are just blessed by the Lord. Wow, you are just a blessed human being. Great hair, the dream job, a wonderful family. No moisturizer, and you look like you're 21 if you're an eight, if you're a year. Incredible. I mean, honestly, you're honestly. It's like seriously, you're like I don't know how much perfect you can get. You write a children's book. You're a family man. That makes women go, oh my god. I mean, seriously, you might be on the cover of People magazine as the most sexiest man alive. My phone. No, I've not got any messages. So, no. <laughs> you think that? Only you think that? Um, nah, come on. No, You're but, making me blush. No, but or is it the... <laughs> but the great thing about you is, and back to the seriousness of it all, is that it's so true, and I say that, is that like... I think about the problems I deal with now because they weren't addressed when I was a kid and I could easily brush it off to like, they just didn't talk about that when I was a kid or whatever. And, and I live, my roommate has a kid and I think of him because I'm thinking about ordering this book for him. Like, is there an age group that it, that it particularly targets? Um, I would say that you could probably start reading it to kids that are two years old because it's rhyming and I, I've noticed certainly with my, my little boy, he's two and a half, that anything that rhymes, he just loves. And if the pictures are good enough, he's, he's into it. So he doesn't understand the meaning of the book. But I do genuinely believe that this book could probably go right up to six or seven years old. And then after that, maybe you're probably looking at something a little bit more intellectual and a little bit deeper to, to kind of get on board. But it, it, I think it varies 
you so much because kids these days, you know, you can meet, um, they're all so different. You can meet a five-year-old kid who's way ahead of his or her time. And you can meet, you know, a six or seven-year-old who might see the meaning of it in a different way. So I, I think it, we're probably looking at two to six, seven, something like that. That's what I and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm going to go to your link, and I'm going to buy this for my roommate's kid. I mean, he loves books. He loves books, and he loves animals. And the way you described what it's about, it's right up his alley. It really is. You know, because the way we live, he doesn't have any – his friend that he plays with in his um, – and in our neighborhood, his friend just moved away, and I feel so bad. That was his his buddy, and he moved, so he has nobody really to play with. And we went to the um, the pool yesterday, and he's got his uh, he went to the pool yesterday, and he's, and he's got his um, and you could tell he was kind of shy when he first walked in. And I introduced him to some kids, and they went swimming, which is great. So this book is right up his alley, man. And like I said, he loves animals. He's in, he's uh, he's a little bit past the dinosaur stage, but for two. For two birthdays in a row, we've gotten him my like snakes to come over to the house, snakes and lizards and alligators, and he's held he held them in his hands. So I'm definitely buying this book. I'm not just saying it. I'm definitely gonna get this book for him. I think he's gonna love it. Now, how'd you come out? How'd, how'd you come out with the with the characters for the animals? How'd you happen to pick the animals specifically? Uh, the the reason I picked um, the leopard to be the lead character was because when you read the story, you kind of I'm really trying to not give this away. Um, <laughs> basically, the whole idea is, and the premise of it is that leopard kind is fine. That's kind of the saying, and that's how it goes. When the reality is that um, people do change, but they don't need to change their spots. That's basically the premise of it. That's beautiful. Oh, man, I love it, dude. I'm, I'm so like, okay. Now, how did you sell that idea to somebody, though? I mean, how did you like? How did, did you know who to go to? Well, actually, to be honest, the idea fluctuated a few times because initially I was going to have the leopards, like it was going to be like, oh, the leopard can't change his spots, and then the leopard's spots do change. And once I got involved, um, a publisher um, called Gracie from MissRightPublishing dot com. There's my little plug. Um, she um, she came on board and said, maybe we could play around with the idea of the leopard not changing its spots. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. And um, she really helped with that. And it was just, I don't know. It just came from, no, I don't know what it is about. I have some sort of weird imagination. I don't even know where the book came from. I could honestly not even tell you where it, it's not been like some sort of idea that I've just had in the drawer for, years and years and years and I've always wanted to write it it just it it sort of just came and I was just like oh, I like it like this I honestly cannot even remember where the idea of the book came from or how it came about um but she's um she's got some great books she's a, an award-winning author herself and so she's got some um great books on that website as well and She's got another um, author who actually doesn't live too far away from me who's written a book and his own son illustrates the book, which is such a cool idea. Cool. Um, and so on that website, there's like all of the range of, of books from that. But she just saw the book and said, I really like it. I mean, this isn't just like some sort of fairy tale story, as you well know. Like I, when I initially started the book, I put it out there and it was rejected tons of times by a lot of people I had to make changes to it and I was almost ready to give up 
Um, and luckily for me, in the end, Gracie, who was involved, saw it and just saw the morals in it and said, like, I think we can really do something with this. And, um, and so, yeah, this is, this is where we're at. I've already finished my second one, um, which um, I say I've finished it. It needs a few bits and bobs done, but that halfway through finishing this one, um, an idea came to me about another. So I've already got another in the pipeline as well, but I just want to see how this goes first. So um, I'm not saying that I'm going to be some sort of star child children's author. I just really hope that for me, the, the dream was also like to be able to read a children's book to my son yes. that I've written is just goodness, just such a magic, it'll be such a magical feeling. And the day I see anyone else reading a story I've written to their kids will just mean so, so much to me, more than any money that you earn out of a book. Um, I just, it would be so magical if that's, you know, just to see photos of kids reading the book and to know maybe one day you might just make the tiniest difference to a kid's life or something like that along the way would be, would be so cool. I'm talking about... I I wanted to go back to where you said you thought about giving up because that's the point to me in everything in life. That's where it, 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 it how do you describe it? Uh, Cause we've all gone through, you put something together and you hope it works and it's rejection, rejection, rejection. What made you not go, you know what? Okay. I'm forget about it. I'm done. Like what made you go? I got something here or, or headstrong enough to where you got the yes you were looking for. Because we've, we've all been rejected. I mean, you beat, get beat down for so long sometimes you go, you could have easily just given up. And what made you keep going? I, I guess from, um, which comes back to kind of the commentary side of things, really. When, when I first started commentating and I wanted to get into the job, I just didn't stop. I, I didn't stop. And I just learned to grow thick skin on not being affected by rejection um, and just continually plaguing people until we got somewhere and seeing what happened. And because I was almost at the point of like where it didn't nearly didn't happen for me in commentary, and then I just didn't stop. I thought, well, I'm going to do the same with the book. I mean, it's just we'll just carry on and carry on and carry on, and we'll just see what happens. Um, it would have been a little bit easier on this occasion to give up, given that I've already got like obviously a lot of interest in bike racing and I've got a, a job in, in commentary. It would have been a lot easier, I think, on this occasion to give up. But I just can, I just always kept on thinking to myself, I know that I, this is something that when I was, I was a kid, I was really, really interested in. And I know that if I don't get this done, I will always ask the question of what would have happened maybe if I could have got a book act, like, you know, could we have made a difference? Could we have managed to um, get something sorted in that way? Um, and so I just thought, I'll just keep on going. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. And I was just getting email after email after email saying, no, 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 no. Um, and then obviously some you just don't get any emails back from, from at all. Um, I guess it's just... Um, you know what it's like. It's a, it's a bit like everything. You just have it's it's life. It's you have to make the decision as to whether or not you just go. Okay, enough is enough. 
um, or for me, it was just like, I'm not accepting it. <laughs> I'm just not going to accept That's beautiful. that. Yeah. They, I just, you know, I'm going to keep going and keep going because even if I have to pay for this book to be made and self-publish it myself, I'll go that route as a last resort just because I want to try and do this. Um, but I don't want to look back and go, I'm really upset I gave up. Yes. You know, at the end, you never know when the final, you know, it's going to be over. And I've always said, I always want at the very end, I just want enough time, if I can, just enough time that when that Grim Reaper puts his hand on my shoulder like a hockey coach telling the goon to go out there and, and beat somebody up, I go, yeah, okay. Like I did everything I wanted to do. You know what I mean? And so, and that's what it's about, man. It's just about just persevering when you believe in yourself. And that's what it's about, basically. Believing in yourself enough to know and being headstrong, go, no, I got some here. It's gonna, it this is gonna do. And if I gotta do it, like I said, if I gotta do it myself, damn it, this is getting done. And that's what I love about it. But the most important thing about it is, does Charlie think it's a good book? Did you read it to him? And he went, eh, I've heard better. I mean, <laughs> what, what was his reaction to it? Did he go, you know what, Dad? It's okay, but it, it's no Barney. He's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, he, he's obviously only two and a half years old, yeah. so he can't, luckily for me, he can't give me a review, but... Um, can't give me a scathing review either. Um, he, he, uh, I, I read out the, because obviously at this particular time when I read it to him, because the book is ready for pre-order, but it's not in people's hands yet. Um, and so I've read him the book and he, there's kind of like this go-to tone to it. And he, he enjoyed it. Good. And I'm not just saying that because he's my. Yeah. Um, yeah whatever, man. But yeah, okay. to be honest, <laughs> enjoys it <laughs> if no one else does <laughs> if no one else does at least i know i've tried yeah. but my goodness my son will enjoy that book <laughs> would it hurt your feelings if you came home one day and he was like like he, like your book was to the side and he was like reading like the lewis hamilton story like now this is a good book and you're like really i mean <laughs> would it hurt your heart if he was if he's, you heard him talking to his friends like, yeah, dad did this book and it was okay, but this book right here. I mean, would it hurt your feelings if it, something like that happened? Well, that's the only danger, isn't it? That like, if, if when he gets older, if this isn't a success, is if he gets older and he's like, yeah, my dad wrote a book once, but it was rubbish. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, who knows? Who knows? Um, no, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I don't, I, I hate arrogance, so I don't want to come across as, as that. I think there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I think that um, I'm not even quite at the point of confidence. I'm happy, really happy with the, the book. I'm overjoyed with the people that helped me produce it. The illustrator has done some magic work and I tried my best. Like I could not have done any more with this first book and if it doesn't happen then at least i know that i can you know excuse the pun close that book and go ah oh, i tried that yeah. it didn't work and then it's yeah do you know what i mean it's just yeah. it's done um but if you know it does work and people are, are into it and and things like that then then who knows i've got some pretty 
strange ideas going on in my head for future books. So who knows what's going to happen. Well, not to be all sappy and sentimental, but like, did it really, really touch you like that you go, like you said, whatever happens that you did this for your son and hopefully one day he realizes like the significance of it that it was for you. I mean, of course he's too young to understand that now. He's going like, yeah, dad, you got a book. Okay, cool. But when he does get older, he goes, wow, dad kind of did that for me. Like it's going to, I mean, did it hit you in a way that was like, were you overcome with emotion or has it even sunk in yet? It definitely hasn't sunk in yet because it's just been so busy in the lead up to the launch of the book that I haven't really had a chance to kind of take it in. And it's just been, um, it's been so much going on that I haven't really kind of taken it in. And also I remember me as a kid, not really appreciating um, my parents for what they were until I was a lot older. So I'm not expecting sort of, anything to happen in the next couple of years um i think he's probably going to go through a stage where he understands that i've written it and then there might be a stage where he's embarrassed that i've written it <laughs> and then maybe <laughs> ultimately hopefully one day um he'll say do you know what that was really cool um that you that you sort of wrote that for me so to be honest, it was so funny that that hit that hit me emotionally last night because I was I was thinking about what questions to ask and this and that and and I was going over this and that and so I got up and I got hungry and that's why I'm getting fat. I got I got up and I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at 30 in the morning. That's the kind of life I live. When you're when you're single like me and live the and live this kind of life, it's it's the worst because there's no one to say you might not want to do that. I, you know, I I just I do what I want when I want, which is a good and bad thing. So. I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I swear to God, I was making. I and I was like, okay, I needed, I needed to think about what questions. And I thought, man, to um, to be immortalized with your kid, and that's what it boils down to. I mean, don't get me wrong. If if it goes on and it's accolades, that's great. But man, the fact that you did this for your son, and that's for him. I mean, it, it that's gonna be your connection, like his. You know, and you're not gonna be overboard. Like you know, I did this for you. It's gonna be like, hey, you know. My dad did that for me. And when it does hit him, I think it's just going to be a wonderful moment for both of you to share. Because I'm just now getting to the point in my life where I tell my dad, like, God damn it, daddy, you you did a damn good job or, or get me prepared for this or this, uh, not for eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at 1.30 in the morning, but you did, <laughs> you, did, you did a good job of just getting me prepared for this and just being a great dad and being there for me at all times. Because every practice or every sport I ever did, he was always there, and I never understood parents who did, who weren't there for their kids. So that's what it, it that that connected with me last night on a weird level, man. Because I was eating that sandwich, going, oh, I mean, that hit me hard. I was like, wow, man, you know, you're there for your kid, and that's all a kid can ask for. It's not money, it's not the monetary, it's being there for them and showing the love there. That's genuine. It's not the fake love. Hey, I bought you a car. I bought you this. It's being there for them when, when they needed you. When, you know, every, every sport, if they suck at a sport, it doesn't matter. You're there at the practices. You're there at a, at a birthday party. If not, you could FaceTime or whatever. So the fact that you wrote a book, Jesus, man, that just, it hit me on a weird level, man. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. That's when I went, wow. You know, first it was like, a, okay, good. He wrote a book. Cool. And then it's like, Damn, man, you're immortalizing your son's eyes, you know? Well, we'll see. I mean, I'll let you know on that. Maybe we'll speak in a few years and we'll see how that one goes. <laughs> I, 
I appreciate that. I, I for me, I think um, it was just something that I realised how much he loves reading books, and he and literally every day, BT, he is reading a book back. Um, he just wants us to read books to him, and I earlier on was getting some of the the social media posts ready for some of the the book launches and stuff like that and he immediately took interest in the animals on the the picture and I was like yeah come on because I just I know that he'll be he'll be interested in in the pictures for sure um, but I didn't illustrate those pictures so that that's down to a guy called Brandon Atlas who I own a lot of uh, a lot too because he he was a genius in terms of reading my mind as to what I wanted um, I'm just hoping that he likes the rhymes. If he likes the pictures and not the rhymes, then I'm in real trouble. <laughs> well, you got, hey, look, you got the rhymes. So basically, so if you got rhymes in the book, so it, could there possibly be a Steve Day rap album coming out, maybe? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You, no, can be, you, can go down you might be the Drake of MotoGP. We never know. I mean, it could be like, oh, my God, Steve Day's got a rap album? You know? I'll, I'll let you into a secret. I can sing, and I do like to sing, but I don't sing rap, and I'm not singing live on this show either. So don't even get you can get that idea right. No, out. listen, I'm not going to go there. But like, what do you sing? I just add, what do you sing? No, what do you sing? and what do you like as far as singing? I like singing anything. To be honest with you, um, I love singing anything any era 70s 80s 90s modern day queen is my go-to oh, queen is my passion. okay favorite queen song favorite queen song my favorite queen song is actually um love of my life um but my favorite one to sing is bohemian rhapsody i go all that okay give me just a couple bars come on just a couple bars bro you give me a couple bars i'll give you a couple bars of my favorite song which nobody knows nobody knows my favorite song listen top five songs my all-time favorite there's one song that nobody knows okay my favorite song of all time of all time is sympathy for the devil by the rolling stones that's my favorite song of all time it's the greatest song ever to me second is uh just like suicide by uh soundgarden and third is Ode to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry. If you ever get a chance to hear that song. Not, yeah, no one knows that song. Not, no one knows that song. It's, it's, it's a movie back in the early 70s. I was in the YMCA learning how to swim. That's how long ago this was. And I remember hearing that song going, this song is incredible. I mean, I was an old soul. But I was like, listen, going, this is a great song. And I listen to that song, and no one knows it. I'll go to like, like karaoke bars or piano bars, and I'll go, play Ode to Billy Joe. And they go, we don't know that song. And I go, oh, and I'll walk out and make him feel bad. But yeah, that song's, a great, that song's one of the greatest songs ever. So just for a couple bars, just sing a Bohemian Rhapsody. Just a couple. No, no. A couple. BT, BT, this is not happening. No way. No, no. Not this one. Maybe on a future uh, chat that we do, or maybe when we see each other next, if we're in uh, Pete's Piano Bar in Austin or something like that, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But and, no, definitely and, not today. And, and, <laughs> You're trying. I, I really do. And, and, and you're it's deep. Not. And you're deep in your cups. And you. And you might. And we might sing together. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why not? <laughs> I want us to do a duo. What's if we did a duo? What song could we do if we did a duo? Oh, oh I don't know. I don't know. It mean, but I'm 
literally into any song. So nothing cheesy, nothing like you name nothing like Ebony and Ivory by by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. That, that's too cheesy. Ebony. No. Let's no. let's let's do a kick, no. let's do a kick-ass song. You know. No. Here's what we do. Jimmy Barnes and NXS. Remember that song they did. Uh, it's gonna be a good time tonight. Rock and roll music gonna play all night. Remember that? Remember that song? No, 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 take long. Remember that? I don't know the actual words, but you remember that song? Yeah. Well, hey, mate, I'm up for this. So if we and if we know we're gonna be near a karaoke bar sometime soon, and let's hope that the world opens up again properly soon, we'll do it. We're gonna do the. We're gonna do no. We're gonna do sweet emotion. I'll be Stephen Perry. You'll be no. I'll be Stephen Tyler. You be Joe Perry, and we'll do that hug, you know. And we'll sing like sweet emotion. <laughs> Why not? I'm definitely a few more cups in me in order. That's for sure. I, I don't like I don't, I don't like the way you said that. I don't like the way you said. That. I'm, I'm trying to come up with songs for us. You know, maybe maybe cut a record together. You know, and you're laughing at me. You're laughing at my dreams. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean what if I would have did it about your children's book? You know, I've today launched a children's book. I'm not about to launch a music career. I have time for that. But hey, we're on to we're on to something. You got the boy band good looks and the hair. Why not go all in? Plus, you got a cool black friend, which is me. Dude, I'm telling you, bro, bro, the future is yours, Steve. The future is yours. <laughs> we, we could start social media, I think. Genuinely, genuinely. I'm actually not even, I know that I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I'm going to be thinking of duet songs. <laughs> And I'm just going to be messaging you going, I've thought of one. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I planted a seed. I planted a seed, which is great. That's all yeah. I wanted to do, bro. That's all I wanted to do. And like I said, man, what a great, like I said, how great is this now that we're talking in that, like a year ago, I was like, ah, oh, kind of depressed. But the great thing about this pandemic is it made, you know, like I was able to start these podcasts and you were able to do that book. You know what I mean? And then we saw the changes in GP. Now, what, what changes did you see in GP uh, 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 during the pandemic? I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the lockdown, there's nobody in the paddock. But what changes did you see or did you see any within the riders? Um, I think in general, everybody in the, in the paddock um, looks more stressed. Um, they look more nervous. They look more anxious. Um, I think everybody is genuinely, certainly in the beginning, was genuinely concerned about what was to come. We were really relieved to get back to racing, but the schedule was so brutal last year, and it already has been the start of this year as well, that you can kind of see that everyone's a little bit tired. Um, and everyone, the, 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 the traditional season is really good because you get to go to all these cool places around the world. You get to see all your friends in the paddock and work with all these amazing people and watch the most amazing races and amazing riders. But you get a week off in between most of the time. There's the odd exception. Whereas at the moment, it's all just like bang, 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 bang. And by the end of a trip, you all look at each other going, I'm not even going to say bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll see you in three weeks. Like, done. 
because it's it's just really 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 intense um and i think that's the one thing i've noticed more than anything else is the tiredness in everyone everyone is tired everyone's i think anxious as to what's going to happen next um we're out i think i speak for everyone we're all desperate to get back to normal um but we're all also very worried and cautious about the way that we do that um and everyone's got their own opinions on what should happen and what shouldn't happen um but for me personally everything is cool in terms of the actual when i step into a comedy box and we sit down to commentate nothing really changes it doesn't change yeah. because as soon as those lights go out we, we just go and we're talking about the best sport in the world and that's that's cool but it's when you get out of the box and there's protocols and, and traveling at the moment is just an absolute nightmare. It is so hard. We've just got endless streams of paperwork to get through and things like that. But I mean, for the riders, I, I guess for the, for, for the younger riders, maybe it's not so much of a, an issue because they don't really know that that much different. Um, but for some of the old school guys, I reckon it might be um, hitting them a little harder. Now, is there a worry, though, like especially with, the, like you said, the older riders, is there a worry since you're all tired that there's a little bit of fatigue when it comes to a GP that maybe they're not going to be as sharp? I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm sure Helen knows, Helen knows beast at that, you know, speed, whatever. you got to be locked in. But, it, you know, everybody does get tired. I mean, and so maybe they're not as, as sharp. And is there a worry now of, of injuries or – or, or, or rider fatigue? I don't know, BT. These guys are so fit. Um, I mean, they are remarkable specimens when you see what they do and how quickly they recover. And even though, I mean, there must be some fatigue involved. They've got, there's got to be. Um, but these guys are the best in the world. They are so, so fit. They know what they're doing. Um, I've not had one rider complain of fatigue during the entire pandemic whether they feel it or not no one has mentioned it no one has actually said ah oh, you know i'm feeling really really tired at the moment it's just been a long few weeks and i think that's also down to results as well because if you're riding the press press of a wave um you just want things to continue if you're having a bad time of it then you're probably going to feel more tired as well speaking of that did you see did you see or did you have any idea of the rise that uh, that the impact that Pedro Acosta was going to have in Moto3. I mean, did, you probably saw like, okay, oh, his kid's got talent, but did you have any idea what he was bringing to the table? No. No. Hang on a minute, BT. I'm just going to move my chair because I'm literally being burnt alive in my own house. Um, I know this is not good for a podcast, but I'm actually going to have to I'm English and I am pasty and I am burning. <laughs> no, 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 I like that. Look at you. Look at you. There's the wife. Tell her I said hello. Ah, there you go. She's going to pop on screen. Hello, love. How are you, love? How are you? Thank you. I, I want to ask you, what is it like to be married to this male supermodel who actually writes children's books, and now he's gonna be—he's got to be one of the top five, uh, seriously, one of the top five sexiest men of all time. He's probably gonna make the cover of People magazine. 
And when you're a family man, what can I say? No, listen. When you're a family man and you write children's books, and, and like I said, family man, children's books, and look, look at his hair. Look at his hair. How how do you do it? I mean, aren't you worried when he goes on the road? Aren't you like, oh my god? Area to Steve because he's got so many. He can literally he can do anything. He can commentate. He can write a book. He can sing. BT, we're gonna stop it. You're gonna. You're gonna a massive pain in the backside, right? <laughs> and he can cook. What can I say? I'm a lucky woman. That's why I married you. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I love it, man. This is the greatest, dude. I love it. No, it's what it's all about. It's about family, man. Hey, hey, we're like the Fast and Furious, really. Like, it's all about family. What about family? <laughs> <laughs> But back, back to Pedro Acosta. No, did you see the? Did you see that? Yeah. Did you think that he was going to have that that kind of impact coming in? No, no, not at all. No, I, I think even I think everybody saw that he was something special in Red Bull rookies. But there's been a lot of riders in Red Bull rookies to have shown that potential. And um, in Qatar, the opening round when he won from from pit lane. I mean, that was that was something insane. And I was just like, what the heck is this kid? Yes. Um, like, I knew him, but I didn't realize he was that good. And even now, just watching him, he just looks, he doesn't look like a rookie on the bike. No. He looks so comfortable. He looks so in control of what's happening. He doesn't look flustered. He's not bothered if he doesn't win on a certain day. He knows what he's doing. He's a very, very talented um young man so i i definitely did not see that coming um i, I it's just another one of akiyo's amazing machines isn't he that's coming through that he finds them um he's got something really really special but it's really really important i think not to get carried away from a fan perspective as well as from his perspective as well because it can it can unravel and I really hope it doesn't, yeah. but you have to make the right choices and you have to be consistent and you have to keep your feet on the ground because it would be really, really easy for things to spiral. It can do so quickly in sport in general. Now, if he does falter, if he does, who are the, say, two riders who you think can take advantage of that? Because me personally, I look at Pedro, I, I mean, I look at Sergio Garcia. I think if it wasn't for what he's doing, I think Sergio Garcia is that he's quietly moving up and no one really talks about him, but he's always there and he's smooth and he's a, a cool customer. But I like Sergio. Who do you think is can pick up the pieces if, if Pedro starts to yeah. fall? You can't argue with that, BT, at all. I really like Sergio Garcia. He's a really smart rider. He's very, very talented. I think he has got all the makings of being um, a top, top um, rider. He already is. He is very, very good. I think other than Sergio, um, there's no one at the moment that's consistent enough. It's a shame that Sasaki got himself injured when he did because he was starting to come together and that big injury in Catalonia was a, was a shame for him because he was the only other rider at that time that looked consistent. Sorry, you can hear my dog now. It's literally the whole family joining into the podcast. Um, <laughs> we just wake up sake of it and just get him involved <laughs> um 
And, and yeah, there's a lot of other riders who I think that are supremely talented, but they just haven't been consistent. Like on some days, Dennis Foggia looks like an immovable object. And then I cannot understand his inconsistency because he looks so talented one day and then another, you're thinking, where is he? he that George Michael looking son of a gun. Well, I tell you, when he's on, he's on. Tell me he doesn't look like George Michael. When he's got his little five o'clock shadow, he got that five o'clock shot and he's got that, that, that chest tattoo. Like, even Aaron Kinnett's like, wow, nice chest tattoo. Even he's got that, that chest <laughs> tattoo and he's right. Like, he looks unstoppable. And then some days, even his own team is like, hey, uh, oh, yeah, where's Dennis? I mean, seriously. Some days you go, is he even racing? And But when he's on, he's the only one when he's on, you can tell. Because he'll get that maybe two-second gap and they'll reel him in. Then he'll put like a second gap and then reel him in, and then you go, he's gonna win. Cause it's like he's playing with him. And and but when he's on, he's on. But when he's not, he like he's he's like when he's hot, he's hot. But when he's cold, he is ice cold. He's like a polar bear's toenails. He is ice cold. I mean I, I don't I, I I can't figure it out with that guy. I really can't, man. It's like Dennis, man, which Dennis is really, gonna show up? He's a really, really cool character, and I think that he has got a lot of potential, so I don't understand that either. But now you've just planted that George Michael seed, I'm in trouble, man. You're going to hear careless whispers dropped into the commentary in Austria for sure. That, uh, it's, it's all coming out now. I haven't even seen that before. I do. I he see really everything. does. I see everything. I see everything. I see things you don't see. <laughs> I see the things you don't see. So you, so you have to be professional, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. But I see that, though. The guy is so talented, but then some days he just disappears, man. And there's one writer I'm going to ask you about off-air, because I know you can't say about this on-air. There's a writer I want to ask you about in Moto3 off-air that I can't even word it to be nice, but we'll, we'll talk about it differently. Man, you know what? Okay, here, here, okay, I'll, I'll be nice about it. Like, you're gonna, no, 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 I'll, go on. I'll, 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 I'll phrase it nicely, but when it comes to Moto 3, is, is, is Jeremy Alcoba the dentist, the menace, as far as like of, of, of that, of that, of that, you know, division? Is he? I mean, because it, it seems like he's mischievous, and then he's, then he gets caught and he goes, me? What did I do? You know what I mean? He's like, I didn't, I didn't remember he, he he got the podium and then they gave him that uh, the penalty because he went to the green but we, we thought it was that that movie put on I think Acosta and then he go, then they said you got to go back he's like what How did, what huh? and then he goes back and you're like really come on Jeremy you know what you did and then the week before what he did with that oh that cheeky move he did and you go really so is he like or is he just a racer or is he just a racer or or you cannot answer the question you know you can be like uh, I I pass you can pass you can always pass. Oh, BT. <laughs> you know, opening this conversation up, I knew you were going to go to him, which kind of, I suppose, gives you an answer in itself. Um, that I do think that um, he is clearly hugely talented because he is the tallest and heaviest rider in that class. And when you meet him, I'm talking like, I mean, I'm tiny. So he is really, really tall. Um, and so he's already at a disadvantage and he has got some real skill. It's a shame that at the moment he can't always match that up with just kind of making the right decision at the right time on circuit. We're at an elite sport level and occasionally I do think that he just lets excitement get the better of him 
And he's like any other racer in that he just goes for number one. He's he's going all out to win. But it's true to say he's made a few mistakes. And I think that, and I hope that he can learn and work his way out of it. Because I do think that ultimately there is a rider there that could move on to a Moto2 bike and do really, really well. But he's definitely, let's, shall we just say that he's cheeky? Um, and that's about as far as I'm going to go. Well, of course. I mean, I don't <laughs> want you to lose your job. But if you do lose your job, and you already got one, uh, you already have one as, as a children's author, and I'll just step in and I'll just, you know, <laughs> announce MotoGP. How about that? <laughs> and moving on to GP, what great timing in that, uh, Pedrosa was is going to get the wild card in Austria. What do you think about that? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's great to have him to because I didn't think he was actually going to race again. I really didn't. I thought it would be test rider role anyway. And Danny Pedrosa, in my opinion, is one of the most talented riders that has ever graced MotoGP. Probably, arguably, along with people like Randy Mamola, the best to have not won the world championship. Um, he was a genius and just so unfortunate on so many occasions. And I think that what he's done to help KTM develop their motorcycle is he deserves the chance to race. And I'm glad that he wants to, because I'm sure that he was given the option to, um, I mean, I, we don't know that obviously. Um, but I think it will be great to see him out there. I just hope that people aren't expecting the, the mountains of Styria to be moved by the fact that he, is is coming back he's 35 and he's been sort of testing an awful lot of new stuff for ktm um he's gonna be a bit race rusty um there's no doubt that on his day he was unbelievable but i just can't believe in my head that there's going to be some sort of fairy tale story and i hope that people aren't clinging on to that dream too much because I think it'll just be really cool to see him out there. Yeah. I think if he's inside the top 10, it's a great result. If he's inside the top five, um, you'll know about it from the commentary box um, because we'll be making some noise. But I honestly don't think that from on paper at the moment, it just doesn't seem achievable. Yeah, It just doesn't seem achievable. Um, but in general, I think he'll be on the pace. He'll be not far away. And it'll just be really, really cool to see um, the number 26 back on a MotoGP bike again, for sure. What's the biggest surprise this year, MotoGP, other than other? Yeah, who, what's the biggest surprise? I was going to say, I never give you a lead in, but who's the biggest surprise in MotoGP this year on a positive note? On a, you go, wow, I didn't see that coming. Um, oh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um, I think that, in a way, Joanne Zarco is probably the biggest surprise to me. I thought he'd be competitive, but I didn't think he'd be, you know, actually contending for the World Championship um, and on the podium as regularly as he, as he was. And I think he deserves an awful lot of credit because his career was could have been at an end a few years ago. Yeah. He's probably the biggest surprise. I've got to be honest, though, when I look at the, the World Championship leaderboard at the moment, there aren't that many huge surprises to me based on how we started the season. I think that 
Rins not being there is a, it may be a bit of a surprise on a negative note because obviously he's had his injuries and things like that. But this was a big year for him. Um, but I do think Suzuki's will come on stronger in the second half of the year. But there's no huge, huge leap out surprise for me at the moment. What about you? I per, I uh, Miguel Oliveira uh, consistency because I thought I thought going into Portimao he was going to do something. I go wow he didn't. And that new chassis came, and he was like a brand new man. And I'm talking like, granted, it wasn't the same Marquez, but the way he was coming after Marquez and 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 the sasha ring, I thought, um, and I and and I, so him, yeah, him. I think Miguel Oliveira to me personally. And it was weird watching that race, man, because I I wanted Mark to win so bad because what he went through. And the way Miguel was coming, and he had that confidence. You know, once you get that confidence, man, it makes all the difference in the world. And I'm not going to lie, man, I cried like a baby that race. I, I, re- I literally was boo-hooing because what Mark had gone through, and I just remember, you know, bothering Mark when he was in 125s. And, and I knew him. All, he's always spoken to me, and I always felt like I grew up with him. And, just, and I want him to win so bad because I know what he's went through. I know he's still in pain. And and the time was coming down, and I go, he's hunting Mark down. And it's weird to watch Mark go from hunter to be the hunted. You know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they hunted when he when he was healthy. Yeah, he and Dovey, whatever. But it's different. He was healthy, and it was a good. But it was like you knew he wasn't hundred percent. And Miguel was coming. I go, no. You know, he he. I think he brought it down to I think less than point two. And I go, it's over. And I think he got it down to point eight. I think at one point. And somehow Mark did it. And I mean, you have no idea. I literally cried like a baby. I was boo-hooing. I have no problem saying that. I was <laughs> boo-hooing in my room, crying out loud. I'm glad my roommate was gone for the weekend. I literally was crying out loud. I don't know how you guys did it, man. So I'm going to say Miguel Oliveira, that was the, that's the one surprise. And I mean, this second half of the season, man, if they keep up with the improvements, this guy could be a problem. I mean, I think he's maybe a little bit behind, but... You never know in, the, in in racing, man. Something can happen. I mean, God forbid. You know, there's always, you know, everybody has that one bad race. They don't finish or what, for whatever reason. And it, it's racing, man. It's the racing business, so you never know. So I, I'd say Miguel Oliveira definitely. Yeah, I mean, he was, once they got that new chassis, he was, he's a machine, Miguel Oliveira. He's so, so fast. And I do think that, um, Binder is coming as well. He's always about a year behind Miguel in terms of the progress when you look through their careers. But we're going to Austria next. And, and honestly, both those guys have got really, really good chances of podiums. And for Miguel, definitely a double win could be on the cards. I mean, and you just never know how quickly a championship could be could be turned around. So I would definitely not discount Miguel from proceedings to the championship. I, I do think that it's... It's open in a way that there could be maybe five or six different guys that could win the championship because I do think that Mir will come stronger if they find a little upgrade. I really do think he'll be there. He's he's just a, such a clever, clever rider. Yes. But at the moment, they are going to have to find something really special to stop Fabio because he has got something a little bit different this year. And you know what's funny? It, last year, because I looked over the, the tape we did last year, and we talked about that. We talked about, uh, one, you know, Fabio's got to get that win and the pressure he's going to have for being a factory rider. And he just <laughs> exceeded everything we talked about it because it was all circumstance last year. We were talking about what he's got to do with that pressure. It's going to be different. And he just, he just sh- he shot that like an evil Knievel jump. He just went, and he's far exceeded. <laughs> 
all the expectations, man. And he's got that confidence. He's got that little swag. I mean, he's still a great dude as far as I can see. He's still a great dude, funny. He still seems kind of, you know, like very gracious. But, man, he's got that little swag to him when he talks, and he's got that when he's on the track, and he just looks so confident on the bike. He does, yeah, and, and, the, and the most important thing is is that recently some of the bad days have still been seeing him on the podium, and that that is the biggest that is the biggest difference. Um, but he's he's still young. I mean, he's only twenty two. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yes. ridiculous. Yeah. and he's constantly learning, constantly gaining more experience, constantly learning about himself and how to adapt. I think he's been seeing sports psychologists who and try and control his emotions because he used to have a bit of a temper and he used to wear his heart on his sleeve too often. And, but I think just a mixture of everything is, is, is just working out really, really well for him. And um, he is still such a laid back, cool guy. Um, he's really, really pleasant to talk to. You would never think when you meet him out of the paddock that this guy's the world championship leader at the moment. You just wouldn't. He's really friendly, really approachable. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a really, really cool guy. Uh, and in a way, I hope that it works out for him. Um, but as a neutral from the commentary perspective as well, I want it to be exciting. So yes. I want to see who the next, next challenger is, you know? Well, speaking of that, I mean, it, I would be remiss not to mention it's a situation, the Rossi situation, because we know what kind of season he's having, but there's also respect that has to be put on his name because of what he has done and what he's accomplished. And it's not like he's, it's just... It's just one of those things, and it's hard to talk about him, but it's like, what do you think? Do you think he retires, or you think that he's like, it's one of those situations where, like, it's hard to say this is it. And, you know, it's like, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, where people retire, they, they can't get the words out like this is it. I mean, they really can't because they still love it, but they know that that moment is gone, and it's hard for them to accept it. And to move on. So, do you think? What do you think of that whole situation? What's going on? What's your What's your total? Like your thoughts on that? I mean, as a kid watching Rossi, obviously, I I uh, I idolize some of the stuff that he did, um, and he is an absolute legend, and always will be. I do not think that whatever he does in the latter stages of his career will ever affect his legacy. Um, but it's hard to watch. It is hard to watch at the moment. And I don't, what I think or what you think or what anyone thinks about what he should do, I think that he's such a legend of the sport that I don't even know if we have an opinion on it. Like, you know, if he wants to continue as a rider, if he wants to continue then, and he's, he's able to do that, then why not? But it has to be a limit to be a um, I think everybody's secretly hoping that he can reach really deep into that magic hat and find something that's left in there. Um, even if it's just for one weekend, um, it would be really, really cool to see him pick up the 200th podium. It would just be such a cool thing to see um, in MotoGP. But it is getting really, really difficult to watch. And... The thing is, is that the, the, everyone's moved on so much. He's not actually going slow. That's the thing. Yes. It's not like he's slowed down. It's not like, hey, oh, man, you're slowing down. It's everyone else has moved the goalpost. Yeah. I mean, you guys said it best. He's actually faster than he's ever been. It's just everybody else is, the game is so, 
elevated now. And he's faster than he's ever been. And it's like, it's hard to watch. But like David Bowie said, we can be heroes for just one day. And that's what I want. And I yeah. think that will be that will be the second cry I will have. And I lie to you not. If Rossi gets a podium, I lie to, I will cry. Because the only other time I cried before the Marquez victory was when Rossi outlasted Marquez and Aston. When he came back, when he first came back to Yamaha, when he, you know, begged for forgiveness for Lorenzo, he came back and I thought, oh, this young gun Marquez is going to get him. And he never got him. And Rossi won. And I remember I cried on my bed that Saturday morning. And I go, I was so happy. I remember I had a girl over too. She said, what are you doing? You don't understand. But yeah, I, I felt like Rocky. You don't understand. You don't understand. But that's, that's what it was like. <laughs> Right. <laughs> listen, listen, we are almost done, but I want to go to some true and false questions. Real quick, true and false questions for you, Mr. Day. And it's going to be some fun stuff. So true and false. And uh, you, you, don't, you don't have to get uh, in, into deep detail. It's just fun stuff. So true or false. Um, will we see Zarco do the backflip this season, the second half of the season? Will we see a Zarco backflip, which means he won a race? True or false? Ooh. False. Oh, man. Oh, you brutal. Marquez will finish the season in the top five. True or false? Right now, he's sitting 10th. Oh, right now, he's sitting 10th. He's only 10 points. He's only 10 points behind uh, Bender. Oh, you say so. You say true. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is, I like this one. This is one. You can tell I really wrote this one. Okay. No names. No names. True or false? No names. Is there a rider that you don't care for because they don't care for you when it comes to like a, a presser that you both kind of like keep it on a professional level, but you know, they don't care for you. So you don't care for them. No names, no names. <laughs> oh my goodness. No names. No. Just true or false. False. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. True or false? <laughs> True or false? Vinales okay. will be with Aprilia next year. True or false? Oh, um, oh, that's really interesting one. I I am completely split on that. I don't know. I don't even have any inside info. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go true for now, just on the basis that I don't know where else he would go right now but in a couple of weeks i might change that okay okay uh true or false simon crafar's cooking is better than it looks on instagram or tastes better than it looks both true okay just checking just checking on that it's it's amazing no it looks amazing it looks amazing and it tastes incredible okay honestly okay and what's the worst hotel i'm not kidding okay Okay, it looks good. It looks good. And what's the worst hotel you stayed in so far on a MotoGP? Oh, God. <laughs> can, can you tell? Can you tell? You can't tell. Um, if I'm going to get in trouble for saying, um, we're really lucky because we do get put up in some nice hotels. And so it would be, it would be unprofessional of me to mention any that I don't like. I'll, 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 I'll secret message you that one. <laughs> Mike, I think this one, I think I made you laugh more on this one than anything. I've embarrassed you. I made you laugh, but I met your wife. This has been a good time, buddy. Yeah. This has been a great time. 
really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. No, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. I, and I said it last night, and I meant that, man. It, it really hit me last night when I was making that peanut butter and jelly sandwich that you're going to be immortalizing your kids' eyes, and that's all that matters. I mean, it really, at the end of the day, and you're great at what you do. You really are. You're great at what you do. This is, this is no hyperbole. You know, you are. You're great at what you do. I love the excitement you bring. But at the end of the day, man, being a great dad, and that's, that's all that matters, being a great parent. My dad's a great dad, and what you're doing is incredible. So, man, that's what hits me hard, and I, I wish you the best on that. And I'm literally going to buy that book for my kid. I really am. And I mean it from the bottom heart. So, Steve, I, man, I enjoyed this conversation, brother. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I consider you a friend, not just a, you know, a podcast guest. You're a great friend, and, um, man, I, I loved it. I had a great time, buddy. Thank you so much for your time everything you said and you better start thinking of some good music because when we come to pete's piano bar it's happening <laughs> hey sweet emotion my friend sweet emotion <laughs> as well see what happens we'll see what happens Steve Day, ladies and gentlemen, on Terrence from the Gemini, one of the greatest guys ever. Get his book. Uh, it's called, what, That Leopard is So Rude. That's his children's book. It's coming out. Go to his uh, bio, Steve Day, on Instagram. Click the link. Uh, buy the book for your kids, even for you. Who I, I don't care. Just get the book. Seriously, it's a great children's book. Steve's a great guy. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much. Appreciate you, buddy. And like I say around this time, you know the word. Peace.